suggestions this morning. So can anyone help us? Uh, do we have our mic guys ready? Mic people, are y'all ready? Uh, somebody tell me, I, I said this would be the first thing that I think there would be a requirement for revival. And, and not that I'm, I'm not saying that's absolute and a must and all of that, but I, I, that's what I put out in my outline. Anybody have an idea of what was the first thing I suggested out of my outline that would be the first thing? All right, Mrs. Pheasanton. Okay, that's good. That's not what I had in my outline, um, but it's, that's a good point. It, it is. Hunger. I mentioned hunger for the Word of God, okay? Start with the Word of God. I mean, that's kind of what I was just saying. Just start with the Word of God, and I don't think you can go wrong in any endeavor that you go about in the Christian life, starting with the Word of God. And we use, there were several verses that we use about preach the Word, in season, out of season, um, you know, uh, rebuking and, and all doctrine. So all the different things. But there is a hunger. There needs to be a hunger for the Word of God. So I mentioned some other things. Can anybody just say one or two other things? I mentioned one. I said, I, I got this one on the way in. I didn't have it in my notes originally, but I wrote it down after I got here. Anybody? What was that? Conviction. Conviction. Conviction is definitely you've got to be under conviction. You get the word. You get exposed to the word. And so there's conviction. And what if... I mean, this is something that I think we all might deal with because like Linda and I were talking about, you know, we leave here and and her feeling, her comment to me was she felt like it was a pretty strong message. And she said, these are your faithful ones. These are the ones that are always here, you know. And so, but let me just say this to the faithful ones that are always here. Is it possible for us to go through church, through the Christian life and not feel conviction? I mean, is it, is it possible that we might could be walking through the Christian life and just not be convicted? I want to show you a verse. You're very familiar with it, I'm sure. James, uh, let me see, I believe it's James 4.17. Why don't you turn there real quickly, if you will. James 4.17. And I'm sure there are a lot of applications and things that we can add to this and, or, you know, to apply to it. I don't mean add to it, but apply to it. But I, th I think it kind of gives the heart of what I'm wanting to say right here. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. What does that verse mean? Does anybody have an idea? What does that verse mean? Somebody help me. Do what? Say it again. You know, you know better. Now then, let me just, I mean, this. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just saying for the sake of discussion, is it possible for the Holy Spirit to say something to you and make it clear to you, this is what you need to be doing, but not say the same thing to me? Is that possible? Y'all believe that's possible? Okay. So did, did I make that clear? He could be saying something to you and not to me. I think one example is uh, we've known people, we've known families, husbands and wives, that dedicated their children in the womb to missions. Dedicated their children. And, I, and I've just, 
I've, I've told people I've never, ever sensed in my personal life a call to missions. I'm a supporter of missions. Our church, traditionally, from what the missionaries have told me, our church has given many times the largest percentage of the checks that come from North Belt are bigger than any other body else's checks that come. That's what I've been told by Dick Bauckham and by others. They said the largest check, when we get our checks, the largest check is from North Belt. And that's happened more than one time. So we have a heart for mission, but I've not been called a mission. But there are people that have been called a mission. So they get a call. I was called to preach. I really believe I was called to preach. And it's not because I wanted to be up front, because I don't like being up front. I really don't. I'm most comfortable on the very back row. That's where I'm most comfortable. And the more, let me just say, can y'all can y'all hear something? Hear my heart. As I, I've got a, I'm still working on that message for mercy, and I hadn't hadn't gotten through with it yet. But the introduction says something like, I've had a lot of opportunity to sit under different preachers, and I hear them say something, and I cringe, and then I think in my mind, ooh, I don't think that's going to go over too big, and then somebody else will get up and they'll say something, and I'll say. Ah, oh, man, I know somebody, they're going to get offended at that. So I'm saying, as you stand up here and talk, it's almost impossible not to make a mistake. It's almost impossible not to offend. I mean, I'm sure some of you have been offended at least once a time or two over something. And I know my wife, you know, she's so sweet and she'll say, you know, you probably could have said that just a little differently. Just twisted it, just said it a little differently and had the same impact. But so I, it's almost gotten me to the point I'm afraid to even get up because it's like I don't know that I can even make announcements without offending somebody. So is it possible then for somebody to receive a word from the Lord about their life and not be mine? I believe the answer is yes, and y'all said that. So let me read it again, because we're talking about quenching the Spirit this afternoon. We're talking about quench not the Spirit. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, it's like y'all have heard the story about the guy that, you know, we got him in the office one time, and he says, well, I, I really did commit a boo-boo. And, you know, we said, uh-uh, that wasn't a boo-boo, it's sin, S-I-N. So you don't want to just say, I've slipped up, or I've made a little haphazard mistake. No, we have sinned. And we need to call it what it is, and if God calls it sin, it's sin. Now... <clears throat> Let's look at the verse that we're going to be dealing with this afternoon, kind of. Uh, and it goes back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There are five chapters, aren't there? Yes, five chapters. Okay, I thought there were. Uh, <laughs> well, I, you know, 
scholarly like I am, I just want to make sure. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let's start off with verse 16. This whole little list of things says rejoice evermore. Okay, if you don't rejoice evermore and you've got something going on in your heart, you're not rejoicing, could that be sin? It could be sin. We're told to rejoice, and if God says rejoice, and I'm not rejoicing. So it's possible that it could be sin, something going on. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Boy, that one catches me just a lot. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. I heard John MacArthur one time, and it was so clear. He was going through the different verses to say, for this is the will of God. And... This is one of them. I mean, you know, we're always saying, I wonder what the will of God is. I wonder what the will of God is. Well, guess what? There are verses that say, for this is the will of God, and this is one of them. In everything, that's like all is all, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God wants us to understand some things about his character, and that is that he's working everything out for our good and we should learn to trust him. As a child trusts their parents, we trust him as our heavenly father. And we've got to trust him. Now then, let me just ask you this. Let's, and, and I alluded to this this morning. I'm not going to go into it. Don't plan to go into it. But let me just say this. Let's just say somebody is very unjust to you. They are actually, they have officially wronged you. You have been wronged. Do you really trust God for his promises and his word that he is working all things together? It, even in our humanity, in our humanity, as we go through life, there are things that we do, things that we say, and But in everything, give thanks. Is that the case in our life? Are we giving thanks? And if I've been, I have been, I believe, something has occurred in my life that I believe is unjust. I have been wronged. Is it, is it right for me to say, in this case, Lord, I don't have to rejoice? Y'all believe? Do y'all think that's right? I mean, it's not what it says. It says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So every one of us will have opportunities from time to time when we have been wronged to rejoice and give thanks in spite of what it looks like in, the, in our circumstances. Okay? So let's keep going. Verse 19, quench not the Spirit. You know, the people that really are your theologians will really, they explain things like, that's not just a verse that was put in there by happenstance. You know, just God just was looking for a place, kind of like I was for that in that message today, I was looking for a place for brokenness, and I just wrote it in. And it, God wasn't looking for a place to put, insert, quench not the Spirit. He wasn't looking for a place. I believe it was is sandwiched in this list intentionally by the sovereignty of God. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And if you, you violate those, guess what? You're quenching the Spirit. Despise not prophesying, 
Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance. All appearance of evil. Not just evil, but the appearance of whatever it looks like. Evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And then, brethren, pray for us. I think that is sandwiched in there intentionally by the sovereignty of God because on both sides <clears throat> there are ways to quench the Spirit. And that's not the only, that's not the sum of it. That's not all of it. Everything that is in Scripture that says don't do and we're doing it or it says to do and we're not doing it, if we're failing in that, we're sinning and we're quenching the Spirit. Now, what was the little illustration, good, bad, or indifferent, but the illustration I used about quenching the Spirit this morning? Does anybody remember that one? What? The water hose, the kink in the water hose. I mean, it, it happens almost every single... I get, I mean, I get very frustrated over kinks in water hoses. Because, you know, used to... Before I tore my rotator cuff, before I tore my meniscus, I, um, I could take that water hose and shake it like that. Well, now I have to do it with one hand like that. And it just doesn't come out as easy with one hand as it does with two. So I get very frustrated, but almost every single time I try to water a dog or water something, it seems like I have a kink and I'll just, I'll put, I'll, I don't put it down, I throw it down. I throw it down, I march over there and y'all would be so proud. I would march over there, and I grab that kink, and it doesn't just come out easily. It kind of, you know, is there. And then I pull it out, and guess what? On the other end flows the river of water. Now then, in the church, think about this. In the church, if you've got 250 Christians in the church, and they each have something that God has said to them to be doing, and they're not doing it. And God says, don't do this, and we're doing it. Let, let me just, I, I've thought about this, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. As a pastor, folks, you will never know how many people, especially men, have come to me in private and confessed secret sins. You, you just, you would not, I mean, I've had some faithful faithful members people that you would say you would hold them up and you'd say that's the last person that I'd ever dream would be having a battle with these secret sins but I'm telling you I'm telling you the truth I've had people tell me this is a battle and I'm losing the battle so if you've got 250 members, I'm just throwing that number out, 250 members, you've got all these people, and some have been told, do this and don't do that in the Scripture, and they're doing it. Can you imagine? I mean, it's a wonder the Spirit works at all in a church. I mean, it's really a wonder that the Spirit of God, and so what is that when He works in spite of our failure? That's His mercy, isn't it? He, he works in our lives, and I go back to the children of Israel. I go back to them. It is clear. It's not like, well, we're going to have a debate over whether they were supposed to go into Canaan or not. They were to go into Canaan. We know that was God's will. They were supposed to go. They took majority rule vote, and 
10 said, no, we can't because, you know, they make us look like grasshoppers in their sight. But the land does flow. And look at the fruit we brought back. It does flow with milk and honey. But let's take a vote. 10 against 2. Majority ruled. And they won. And they wandered in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. But what did God leave them? Cloud by day and a fire by night. He was with them the whole time. And they were murmuring. In fact, Lynn and I were talking at lunch. They murmured against Moses. Let's go get us another captain. They've crossed the Red Sea. We want to, uh, they get on the other side. They sing that Moses hymn, that Moses song. And then they get over there three days after they're over there. Now they're wanting to kill him and pick another captain and go back. They're wanting to go back into bondage. They'd been in bondage for 400 years. Hard labor, harder. It got harder and harder and harder. They were making, trying to make it harder on them. And they go back. They want to go back. Well, let's kill him. Let's pick another captain. Let's go back. But God, his mercy, he's so faithful in spite of ourselves. So can we stand here today and say, yes, God can still cause a revival to break out in spite of us? I believe he can. But I believe it is important for each of us <clears throat> to examine and make, I'm, I'm accountable for me and I'm responsible not to quench the spirit of God in, in my life. And you're the same. You're the, you're, it's for you. You are not to quench the spirit of God in your life. Because it could be that because of our sin and failure, that quenching the Spirit would stop the Spirit until this gets resolved. Until I'm willing to deal with it in my heart and confess it. So I've had, and so I often wonder if these are people that are faithful members. And uh, the exposure that's available is incredible. The exposure that is available is incredible. So it does, you know, it just like, we have to be aware that there's a possibility that in a congregation, there could be some people committing secret sins. I've heard about it in young. I've heard about it in old. I've heard about it in faithful members. And not so faithful members, I've heard it from male and female, that this was a struggle, a battle, and they were losing the battle. So quenching the spirits, anybody want to help me out a little bit? What are, what are some thoughts, your thoughts on quenching the spirit? What, are, what is, other than the kink of the water hose, what would you say is, all right, Glenn, go ahead. Let's, and we were talking to him, Dan and I were at the break, and um, he's kind of a walking commentary, so go ahead and say what you want to say about quenching the spirit. Do you have a mic? Get a mic to him. Taking credit for what God has done, whether it's through you or just to other people, that you have done it. Yep. And I think of the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Exactly. I mean, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all life. Yeah. I, 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 I. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's very, very insightful, Glenn. I will give you a, a high five on that one. Very insightful because we can easily take credit. Like, like, for example, if the church started growing, guess what? Pastor Rod. It's my, it's my um, intellectual, theological expertise that drew them in. You know, I've had some people very, you know, back in the day when the church was really going and going and, and everything, I've had some people very, very graciously tell me, we're not coming here for your preaching. <laughs> I mean, you know, just about the moment you begin to really, you really think God's really got something going on in your life. And then they say, well, we just wanted you to know we're coming here really for the volleyball. We're not coming here for your preaching. <laughs> Thanks a lot for somebody that was told his whole life he's going to be a garbage collector and that he would never be anything. And finally, he's a pastor. And then you think, well, God is doing something. And they say, well, we're not coming here for your preaching. And praise the Lord. So anyway. All right. <laughs> That's OK. That's OK. I told you all that I used to try to be, be like John MacArthur and Jack Taylor and all those guys. And I decided to stop faking it because nobody was surprised when they, they found out I wasn't either one of those guys. So anyway, uh, I just decided to be me. And you know what? What you see, I tell people this all the time. What you see behind the pulpit is what you see get on the lawnmower. So there's not a whole lot of difference what you see in the pulpit and what you get on the lawnmower. Except I probably will have a ball cap on and, and um, sweaty jeans. All right, so um, somebody else helped me. Glenn, that was excellent. Taking credit, us taking credit, thinking that God is really, you know, taking credit for something God, and God's a jealous God. Did anybody notice that? He's a jealous God, and he's not going to share his glory with anybody. He's not going to share his glory. And he knows how, promise, he knows how to put us in our place. I always, I say it like this. He knows how to so graciously pull the rug out from under us. He knows exactly how to do that, to put us in our place. And what is our place? On our face, on our knees before the Lord. All right, somebody else real quickly. Okay. Disobedience. Just total disobedience. I mean, just, it's like I've said this morning. We've had all these sermons, all this study. We study the Word of God. We listen to Bible studies. We listen to preachers. And we know it's not for the lack. Some of these people around the world, bless their hearts, they don't have what we have. They don't have the, the advantage of having preaching seven days a week that we could have if we chose. So I don't think any of us are going to be able to say, God, I just, I didn't, you didn't tell me that. I don't think we're going to be able to say that. I think none of us are without, we're all without excuse. So knowing what we're supposed to do and just being totally disobedient. And I, and I think that's just it's possible. Very possible. It's for all of us. It can be any of us. All right, somebody else. Yes, ma'am. Just not having faith in God. 
Now, <clears throat> you know that series? I did a little mini-series, like six weeks on, on faith, living by faith. And I, I probably enjoyed that as much as any. And I had a lot of com- people talk about, you know, that is really where we are. Just really not having faith. And I think, like I said this morning, I think there are people that when I say God wants to give us a spiritual awakening, there are probably some people saying, you want to bet? I don't believe so. It's the lack of faith. It's lack of believing God that God really wants to do something. Yes, ma'am. Anything else? Hebrews 11, that chapter is just my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. And um, one thing it says in there, without faith, you can't it's please God. It's impossible to please him. Yeah. Without faith, And I still want to please God. Yeah. You know? And it, and it's so true. And so, and somebody even mentioned it again. And I, we've, we really, it was in, I think it was Glenn again. He said, is in Matthew, whatever you said, Matthew something, you know, he would not, have you got it? You want to read it real quick? That he would not do many miracles because of their unbelief. Look that one up and read it to us. Because I'm a, I am a firm believer. If we've got doubters in the crowd and there are people that are really sitting back saying, and I'm saying, God wants to do a revival. God wants to do something really spectacular in our church. God wants to grow our church. And if there are people sitting there in, the, in their mind saying, nah, we're done. We're toast. Go ahead. Okay. It, it comes through where he was in Nazareth. And starting in 53, it comes out, came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence, and when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogues, insomuch that they were astonished, said, Where hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother Mary and his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? His sisters, are they not all with us? Which then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and his own house. And then here's the verse. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Yeah, he did not any mighty works there because of their unbelief. So I really think you can apply that to our church or a church, any church, if, you, if there are doubters, you're thinking, you know, it's not going to happen. It's not going to change. It's just going to go down, down, down. Well, you know what, God, what, why would he want to show himself strong, a bunch of believers, children of God that are trusting in him, and they're disputing everything he's saying that he wants to do? I mean, it's our unbelief, and he just may move along to another group. Not leave us. I mean, we still have the Holy Spirit. But it's uh, but he but his he doesn't do many mighty works, and I really believe that with all my heart. So anybody else, and we're going to kind of get to a yes, ma'am, great. So you had the picture of the water hose with the kink in it. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So my mind thinks of pictures too. I think of a candle. I love the winter time because you can burn candles. You get to enjoy the heat, the smell, the sight of it. I think about what happens when you blow out that candle. It's completely snuffed out. It's quenched. If you think about what it takes to have fire, there's three elements. And if you think about the oxygen, the heat, and the fuel as the Lord is filling us, then what are we called to be? That light. So if you don't think of it as yourself, 
you think of it as the Lord through you being that light, when you quench that, what are you doing? Yeah. And then also when you blow it out or when you quench it, that smell that kind of lingers, it's like, oh, just cover that up, you know? So that's ourselves as we're trying to do what we're trying to do when we're not the light anymore. That is very so. good. Don't y'all think you need to stay just a little longer in Texas? Because we need a little more of that from time to time. That was very, very insightful. Very good. And it's really true. I mean, I think there are all kind of analogies that we could use, but just the whole idea. I think this afternoon when you go away, say, what did we, what are we talking about? We each have a responsibility before God not to quench the spirit in my in our lives. And I do believe with all of my heart, if I'm guilty of quenching the spirit, that can affect you. If I'm quenching the spirit, it can affect you. And if you're quenching the spirit, it can affect others. So it's essential that we consider the bigger picture. We've got to consider the, 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 the whole gamut of what's going on. And, and I'm responsible I'm responsible for me not quenching the spirit. And the reason I'm bringing this message this afternoon and we're discussing it because I am convinced that every one of us have responsibility before God not to quench the spirit. It is in the word of God. We're not to quench the spirit. And I think all of us are capable, even the best, the most faithful, the most dependable, the most sharing, the most giving, the most whatever humble, you can still quench the spirit. In things like, I think it's very easy, uh, you know, the, the thing about the verse that talks about comparing ourselves with ourselves. That's very, I think, close to what Glenn said about taking credit for something that I, God did through me. And I take the credit. I get, I'm trying to get the glory. I'm wanting, to, I'm wanting the attaboys to come to me. But if we're really right with God, we don't want, we know his heart and we want him to get all the glory. And if this church grows, when it grows, as it grows, I want him to get all the praise. I don't want you to get it. I don't want to be the one to get it. I don't want to give any credit to anybody. Let's just give God the glory that is due him. Because he's the only one that deserves it. None of us deserve anything but, well, you know, I know what I deserve. And I want to kind of conclude with this one thought. Anybody here ever been taken to the woodshed by God? Huh? You have? Did you have to have uh, your brother or sister in Christ tell you, oh, guess what? You just went to the woodshed. No? Isn't that amazing? Every time I've gone to the woodshed with God, nobody had to tap me on the shoulder and said, guess what? You just went to the woodshed. No, when God takes you to the woodshed for discipline, if you're I think if you're really walking in the Spirit, you know you went to the woodshed. Because God took you there. And he did it to chasten, to bring about conviction, to bring, bring about change. 
He did it for our good so we could be more Christ-like. I, uh, I had a knee surgery. And I, I've told this a couple of times, but um, I had a knee surgery. I had a tractor, a little small, little small riding tractor turn upside down on me. And I went up a hill, and when I did, it stood up. It did a wheelie, and it came back and came down on my knee. And uh, it was a rusty seat, no padding, just metal, rusty. And it scraped all the way down my shin and jammed a piece of bone into my joint of my knee. And it was on Columbus Day, and I ended up in Methodist Hospital for eight days. That was back in the day when they kept you in the hospital for a long time. But I can tell you this, and I'm not proud of it, but I can tell you this, I know exactly why that happened. No doubt in my mind. I know exactly why it happened. Because when I'm on my flat on my back, in the hospital after surgery, and I was in some kind of pain, God said, I love you. I love you too much to let you get away with that. So folks, let's conclude this service with the thought that none of us should intentionally want to be guilty of quenching the spirit because it's going to affect the whole church. So let's confess, let's still do business with God, let's trust Him, and let's work hard this week to avoid quenching the Spirit. Something God says for us to do, not do, or whatever, and we, we just need to be obedient to Him. So let's, let's have prayer, and then we'll have our hymn of invitation. Father, we thank You for the Word of God, for the, just the, the freedom and the enjoyment we have of being able to discuss things and Um, look at different scriptures from different viewpoints and hearing from the people. And I just pray that you'd use this time to encourage us as a body that we would be very mindful that this coming week as Satan brings temptation and Satan tries to uh, cause us to sin, that we would be aware of these verses that we should not quench the Spirit. And we shouldn't be guilty of quenching the Spirit. So I just pray that you'd help us Help us be obedient, not to be disobedient. Help us to be joyful, grateful, thankful, and help us to pray without ceasing. We just love you, Father, and thank you for the practicality of the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.